Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Hill Turn, our live weekly wrestling show and the official podcast of ProWrestling.Cool. It's not just cool, it's dot cool. We are here to talk about this past week in the WWE, which was a big one in Brooklyn, as we're going to talk about NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 4, SummerSlam, Monday Night Raw, SmackDown Live, four straight nights of wrestling, along with all the news that's been going on, because it's also been quite busy. I'm your host, Owen, and we are streaming this live over on Twitch at twitch.tv slash ozoneonline. So I am monitoring the chat, as well as our Twitter, at the heel turn. So send in your questions and your comments. We'll get to them as we deem fit. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another week. I've watched a lot of wrestling over the last few days. Oh, boy. But it's fine, because we got plenty to talk about because of that. And I want to start by kicking off the show by announcing that uh, I bought a few new URLs. If you're wanting to check out our Patreon, which is normally at patreon.com slash pwc. But if you want to check it out using dumb URLs, you can go to prowrestling.vip. That's a URL that you can use. Or, and this one I'm really happy we were able to get, patreon.cool. That's right, if you go to patreon.cool, it goes right to our Patreon. So that is exciting. (laughs) Aside from that, not a whole lot's been going on with me, besides watching all the wrestling. Still playing Pokemon Go, which just launched their Celebi event, so now I'm catching a whole bunch of Johto Pokemon. And what's cool about this one is unlike the last legendary or mythical Pokemon they had, they're actually gating it, so you have to like do things for certain numbers of days in a row, so people don't instantly catch it, and then all the work they put into making this quest... Just goes away instantly, so that's smart. Uh, On the video game front, aside from phone games, I continue to play Picross S2, which is another Picross game for the Switch. And I just finished all the main puzzles, and I finished the giant puzzle that it gives you pieces for as you play throughout. So all that's left for me is to play the Mega Picross, which is the crazy two-lane one. And it's, so far, I'm already on the first page and having some struggles. So I'll keep playing that. I'm clearly not going to stream that game on Twitch because it's just frustrating to watch me go through these things so slowly. Especially because I don't do any assists. So it's just me screwing up constantly and getting angry. So yeah, aside from that, not a whole lot going on, so I think, because... I really need to move that button, but yes, it's time for the news. I I have a uh, stream deck here, and the button I use to go to the topics also puts the news button there, so I clearly need to move that, because that's the second week in a row I played the news jingle way too early. But yeah, let's get into the news. First bit of news is, if you're a fan of Netflix and their show Glow, The Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, 
This week, this past week, they announced season three. They're doing another one, which is no surprise because season two got a whole bunch of Emmy nominations. Which you know, normally you could say, "Well, of course, getting that Emmy nominations means the show's going to keep going." Yeah, tell that to the Aquabats who are now using a a uh, a Kickstarter to try to get their show back on the air. After it won an Emmy. So, nothing's guaranteed, but congratulations to Glow and all the ladies for having another season. Uh, a lot of people really loved the second season of Glow, and I really loved a lot of aspects of it, but I still think I preferred season one. But that I'm in the minority on that one, so whatever. Bring it on. Give me more episodes like that one that was just straight up an episode of the Glow TV show. Because that was hilarious. Uh, in other news, we're going to go a little sadder and talk about uh, Rowan. He doesn't have a first name anymore. It's just Rowan. During his match at SummerSlam, facing the New Day for the tag titles, he... Uh, well, we're not sure what spot it was. A lot of people think it was a suicide dive to the outside. Some There were a bunch of other spots, too, that could have happened. But uh, he tore his right bicep. Wh- whoops. And uh, he's he- heading out to uh, Alabama to go get all that checked on and probably get surgery. So it's pretty serious. Uh, they retained the belts on Sunday via disqualification, but because of the injury, clearly they had to shift things over on Tuesday, and the New Day won the tag belts. So that kind of leaves Rowan, or not Rowan, it leaves Harper in a weird spot because he's been in this tag team as the Bludgeon Brothers, and now he's on his own again. Do we get to see another singles push for uh, Harper? Like, does he keep... And if that happens, does he keep the hammers? Or does he just drop that and go back to being a uh, a swamp person? I did like one suggestion that I heard someone say this past weekend. And that is... Well, you know, not this past weekend. More so Monday night after Raw. Because they set up a whole angle of... Braun Strowman against the Shield. And they said, well, with Rowan hurt and with Matt Hardy, you know, taking time off for injuries, why don't you have Harper come over the Raw, him and Bray Wyatt help Braun Strowman fight the Shield? We get the Shield versus the Wyatt family again. And I'm into it. The other alternative would be having Braun Strowman and Nicholas fight the Shield, but I think this idea might be actually more believable. Or they could just have Braun Strowman fight the Shield by himself because he's a big, scary man. Not quite sure, but, uh, well wishes to Rowan. Hope he's doing, you know, hope the surgery goes well and he recovers quickly and comes back because that sucks. Uh, if you were in... The arena were watching the pre-show for NXT Takeover. A graphic popped up that wasn't supposed to go up, but oh well. Guess we're announcing this match. 
at Evolution in October, it's going to be Alexa Bliss taking on Trish Stratus. Why? I don't know. Reasons? Because we're not putting any thought into this women's pay-per-view outside of we're doing the Mae Young Classic and then we're just going to have a bunch of women's matches? I don't know. What what also kind of sucks is that the other rumored match is uh, Ronda Rousey taking on Nikki Bella. Which... That's not going to be good. First of first of all, you know, why not give Ronda Rousey, like, a better opponent, like, a more fierce opponent? Why not kind of play into the whole four horsewomen of MMA versus four horsewomen of WWE situation? Since, you know, we saw the four horsewomen with her backstage and also ringside at TakeOver. So, not not sure why they're not doing that. The other reason is uh, Nikki Bella stopped wrestling because of neck injuries. Have you seen the way Ronda throws people around the ring? Doesn't seem very good for your neck. But they want to do it because Ronda Rousey's popular, Nikki Bella's popular because of the reality shows. Again, not putting any thought into this pay-per-view which is taking place at the Nassau Coliseum, of all places. If you're in the New York area and you want to go to this weird show, it's tickets go on sale this Friday, so knock yourself out. I'm, I'm not going. I, I, spent, I spent all the wrestling funds for the G1 show in New York in April, so... Yeah. Not gonna, not, sorry, not going to drive up to Uniondale, New York... To watch a show that's going to be half-assed to the max. Uh, speaking of weird half-assed shows, uh, this, I believe it was last night, they announced three more matches for the Super Showdown taking place in Australia. Their big stadium show that exists for reasons. Tourism? Not sure, but... We already had the Triple H versus Undertaker match announced, which Triple H cut a really good promo on Monday to help push. It, it still doesn't make sense, but at least he at least he tried. I'll give him that. He, he tried to make it make sense. But the three matches they announced last night for the Super Showdown are John Cena and Bobby Lashley against Kevin Owens and Elias. I wonder who's going to win that one. The Miz versus Daniel Bryan, which is a shocker that they're already going back to another singles match. But I, I guess it makes sense because the Super Showdown is going to be the October pay-per-view for WWE. They, you know, canceled the other one that was going to take place, so... I guess... That's a pretty big match to do, so... Good for Australia. And The Shield fighting somebody... Perhaps that is the place where they have Braun Strowman team up with the Wyatt family. If they're going in that direction. But yeah, that's that's what we got going on for Australia. That show's going to air super stupidly early in the morning. I, I asked my friend who I usually have come over to watch the wrestling pay-per-views if he wants to come over that morning at 
I believe 5 a.m. or whatever time it starts. And he didn't say no. He also didn't say yes. He kind of just gave me a grimace. Think about how goddamn early that is. Whatever. I'm probably going to watch it live and do something regarding it. I mean, I, I, I get up early for these New Japan shows. So, not a big deal. And speaking of New Japan, which, if you haven't been following our Patreon at patreon.cool, that's, that's an actual URL, as I said earlier, we, uh, we did a whole bunch of coverage of the G1 Climax that happened uh, this past month. And we have a ton of five-hour podcasts covering those shows if you want to check them out. And it looks like me and Trace may have another thing to talk about. Because the Destruction Tour is coming up. Three, three, three cards. It's, the, it's their kind of like chill-out post-G1 match, you know, pay-per-view events, house shows, whatever, whatever they are. I'm not sure what the lingo is for New Japan. But, uh, yeah, they announced the the cards for these three shows, and, uh... Yeah, this isn't chill at all. Because there's two major main events happening that have huge implications for Wrestle Kingdom. Because if you watched the G1 and you saw Tomohiro Ishii versus Kenny Omega, where Ishii totally destroyed Kenny Omega's face and lip and then beat the IWGP heavyweight champion that means he's entitled to a title shot and apparently it's happening at the first night of the destruction tour because on September 15th Kenny Omega defends his IWGP heavyweight championship against Samohiro Ishii holy shit my current match of the year we're getting the second one already bring it on and then on the third night, which is uh, Sunday the 23rd, uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi is fighting uh, Kazuchika Okada and his Wrestle Kingdom title shot that he won in the G1 is on the line because Tanahashi didn't beat Okada. They ended up in the draw. So that means he's got a t- he's entitled to a shot at this thing. Which I I assume Tanahashi's going to retain because Jay White also is in line for one of these shots. And I think it's more likely he gets it. But you don't know. Perhaps Okada could win this and then have to defend it later. Because the whole story in the G1 was this will be the first IWGP Heavyweight title match in years that doesn't involve, at Wrestle Kingdom, that doesn't involve Okada. So this could be the way to kind of switch that over. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, Destruction destruction Tour. It's going to be pretty good. And I have a feeling, once I get a hold of Trace, we're going to probably put up a uh, Patreon podcast where we talk about those. Not in as much detail as the G1. We're not doing 150 pages of notes again, because that was a special event. But we will watch these shows and then discuss them. At least the matches that are the big deal, those two. 
So make sure you look look out for that over at Patreon.cool. And that's that's all I got for news. If anyone in the chat has any topics that I skimmed over and wants me to mention on the show, let me know, and I'll I'll jump into it. But in the meantime, I'm gonna start talking about this past weekend because boy, a lot of wrestling went down. And the first show we're gonna talk about is NXT Takeover Brooklyn Four, the fourth one. They've they've done this four years in a row. I was lucky enough to be at the first and second one. And then I was like, I don't need to do this every year. And WWE's like, you're right. Ford's going to be the last one. Since WrestleMania is going to be in New York next year. And they're not going to do SummerSlam and WrestleMania in the same area in the same year. But shit, that, re- that means there's still going to be a TakeOver Brooklyn 5. It's just going to take place in April. It's... It's weird. Anyway, we're going to talk about NXT TakeOver Brooklyn for five matches. Five matches. Manageable. Not 13, not 14, or however many there were at SummerSlam. Five matches. This is doable. So let's let's chat about it. The, The opening match of TakeOver Brooklyn 4 was for the NXT Tag Titles. This is kind of their theme they got going on of let's have the opening match be a barn burner for the tag belts as the Undisputed Era which is Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong because Bobby Fish is still injured though he seems to be looking better took on Mustache Mountain which is Trent Seven and Tyler Bate and as I mentioned last week I saw these two at the Progress show in Philadelphia, and they are they are just an incredible team. I, I love these two. They do a lot of funny spots, but because this was for the belts, it was quite serious. They didn't do any weirdness, really. And, uh, yeah, the whole... The, what was cool about this was Trent Seven had the knee brace on, but the story wasn't really about him having... An, that injury, they didn't. They already did that match, so they, this was just... Let's just have a really freaking good match, back and forth. And I do reference it by having Tyler Bate being in the submission hold, and Tread Seven threatened to throw in the towel, but, but clearly not. And it just be a good wrestling match with the Undisputed Era outsmarting Mustache Mountain and retaining the belts. This was excellent, as always. It's good to see the Undisputed ever retain the belts. Though it would have made sense for Mustache Mountain to win them and bring it on over to the NXT UK brand. But perhaps they're making their own belts? Not not sure what the plans are for uh, the UK show quite yet. But, yeah, we do know Pete Dunne will have his belt there, and... It seems like a lot of talent from NXT that are not purely UK people, like Dakota Kai, are going to be over there. So, it'll be interesting to see how they handle this. Uh, the next match on NXT TakeOver was the North American Championship. The third member of Undisputed Era, Adam Cole, baby, taking on 
Ricochet, who is just one of the most awe-inspiring wrestlers to see today. And what was great was I had my friend over who only watches the pay-per-view events and hasn't really watched NXT, so not sure who most of these people are. And I said, watch this guy, Ricochet. He's going to do some crazy shit that's going to get you on your feet. And boy, did he. Ricochet just... Wow. He flies through the ring. He does tons of flips. But the one spot we need to talk about, though, is the one that it keeps they keep putting gifts all over. There's videos all over the internet. I'm sure you've all seen it already. It's Ricochet doing that... I, I guess it was a lion salt of sorts off of the middle rope. And in the middle of it, Adam Cole just kicks him in the damn chest. Oh my god. This is the new Shelton Benjamin, Shawn Michaels spot. Because this... Wow. They had the slow motion cameras and everything captured perfectly. He looked dead after this. It was nuts. Adam Cole... You know... The whole story of him being a lazy champion... That's... No, that's just the character being a smart heel. When he gets in the ring, this guy can go toe-to-toe with pretty much anyone, and he proved it here. Fighting against Ricochet. Not flying around, but just using smart heel tactics to counter all of his moves. Like, Ricochet has a bunch of, you know, signature moves that he does. Like, when he's on the rope, he will, like, bounce off of them. Or if he's in the corner, he'll jump over the rope onto the apron and do a flip. Adam Cole knows this, and he totally just says, well, if you're going to do that, I know you're going to do it, so I'm just going to, you know, run over and beat the shit out of you. <laughs> it, it was it was fun to watch. But it did end with Ricochet hitting his, uh, I don't know what they're calling it in WWE, his kind of like big flip. And pinning Adam Cole for the win. New North America champion. Not not sure what this means for Adam Cole, if because right now it doesn't look like he has the ability to move up to the main event title because a heel has it. But maybe he's gonna, I guess, chase Ricochet for the time being as rematch, and then we'll see what happens from there. But the tag ch- titles are still with Undisputed Era, and the next pay-per-view for NXT is War Games. And they have something to defend there, as they were the winners during the first one. So I guess that frees up the North America title to be on the card elsewhere. That's good. Not sure what the tag titles are going to do. I guess they'll be within the War Games, since you need at least three teams in the War Games. And that ties that all up. Should be good. I-, I need to eventually get to one of these war games because I've said it on the show before, it's my favorite stipulation. And I just love the whole concept of there being two rings. So hopefully one year. Either they'll bring it closer to me 
or I'll just, you know, not have any other major wrestling events that year to go to and can justify traveling out there. The next match on the show was for the NXT Women's Championship. Shayna Baszler taking on Kyrie Sane, a rematch of the inaugural May Young Classic Finals. A match that I hate. If you listen to our best and worst of at the end of last year, ah, man, I put that right up near the top of worst match of the year. And some people might not get it, but you should go back and watch that match because it was at a point where Shayna Baszler did not understand the concept of selling or the fact that you don't hit the other person for realsies and give them a goddamn concussion. Whereas now she can make it look like she's doing that, but she's not. And it's clear that if you're a wrestling fan, you know she's not actually beating the shit out of her opponent. And this was a head and shoulders better match. Shayna Baszler looked tough as hell, as always. Kyrie Sane was, you know, screaming a lot because that's her new thing, is she screams a whole bunch. But she... Went toe-to-toe with Shayna Baszler. It was an excellent match. The finish was shocking. Because I had I, I believe in my predictions I said that Shayna Baszler was going to retain. Because it would make sense to have her with the NXT title and Ronda Rousey with the Raw title. To set up the whole, you know, four horsewomen being dominant. But... That wasn't meant to be. Sh- Shayna Baszler did her thing where she had her in the in the lock, but as she took her down for the obvious victory, Kyrie Sane flipped it into a pin, and because she had the the hold locked in tight, she was not able to get out of it fast enough to break out for three, and Kyrie Sane got the shocking win. Crowd loved it. I loved it. I honestly did not see this coming. And I, and I love when wrestling is able to surprise you like that. So Kyrie Sane, your new NXT Women's Champion. I, I'm guessing because Shayna Baylor did not show up on Raw this week. That she has unfinished business and will stay there to at least get her rematch with Kyrie. Not, not sure where else they'll go, but... Clearly a rematch, but... Probably not at the next takeover, I would assume on the TV. Again, I don't read the spoilers for the TV taping, so I I don't know what the direction is. But I believe that she's probably just going to have a TV rematch and then be on her way. What? And then finally, the main event of NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 4. Originally a triple threat. And then turned into a last man standing match between Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano. But before we get into that, I want to talk about the whole way they're handling Aleister Black's injury. Of it being a whole whodunit scenario. With all these these different angles being shot and everyone being around the scene. I I think it's cool. I think this is a really neat way of handling a shitty situation. And I I love William Regal being on the kickoff panel, just being like I 
I don't know what to do when we find out who it was because most likely it's someone that he like brought into NXT and is a major focus since it's around the main event picture and having to fire someone that's a huge part of the brand would be real bad and totally like fuck up all the plans that they had for the sh- for the future of NXT so it was cool to see Regal actually like add some gravity to this, make this a natural storyline. Unlike the whole Hideo Tommy got injured in the parking lot, and it's like, oh, we'll never figure out what happened. Whatever. He comes back, no explanation. This clearly looks like it's going to be a whole angle, and I don't know who did it. Was it Johnny? Did Johnny just? Go full evil. Oh, also, I. What am I doing? I forgot a match. I have it in my notes that I totally looked over a match that was totally forgettable, except for, you know, one person's outfit. And that's Velveteen Dream against EC3. Jeez, Chad, you didn't mention that I forgot this match. I, I guess you forgot too because it, it wasn't it wasn't a good match. I love Velveteen Dream. I think EC3 was completely lost in this match. And it was Dream just bumping hard for him and trying to drag him through this match. But the the highlight, of course, was Velveteen Dream's outfit. Which... He was dressed up as Biggie Smalls with the jacket and the crown. And on his spray-painted pants on the, on the butt... Says, call me up, Vince. See, someone who actually wants to go to the main roster from NXT. And while I think the intentions are good, it doesn't usually go well. Especially for a flamboyant character like this. Hi, Tyler Breeze. But with as much talent and how young this kid is, uh, yeah, you you should push him up and make him the main focus of a brand, which I'm guessing would be SmackDown. And so absolutely, please, please call him up after he's done whatever obligations he has with NXT. Be, I'm, I'm guessing Raw after, Raw after Mania, or SmackDown after Mania? Fingers crossed. But yeah, the, the, this match sucked. It was not good. Clearly I forgot about it until right now. Uh... Velveteen Dream got the win after uh, slamming and hitting the uh, the elbow on the apron to EC3, and it was whatever. It was not a good. It was not a good showing for EC3. Dream did the best he could with the situation. The main point was the outfit. Dream is still great. Love that guy. Uh, Rhythm Bastard in the chat says that Tyler Breeze is currently playing Dead by Daylight. That's that's cool. That's not rest- He's not wrestling. He's not being on television unless it's to get his ass kicked by Baron Corbin. So and I hope he enjoys streaming video games because that's pretty much all he's going to be doing besides occasional appearances on main event. Dang. But back to the NXT title match 
the last man standing match between Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano. I think this was the worst of their three matches. And it was still good. Because the problem with this match was it was unex you know, they did not have long term plan- plans to have it this soon. Like they didn't lay it all out. And they just had to rush to the third match of their trilogy. And it was mostly a retread of their match, their Chicago street fight at the last takeover. You know, they did the spot with the handcuffs again. They did the part where they tore off part of the uh, the padding on the ring and just exposed the boards. They fought around the crowd. It, it was pretty much a retread. And it didn't, nothing, it, the spots were still excellent, but it felt like it was too soon for, for them to do this again. And then the finish happened, and, oh boy. The finish of this match came with Johnny Gargano handcuffing Ciampa to one of the poles that are, make up the stage on the side. Like, on the left side of the ramp. Uh, the, the stage where the ramp is. And Gargano just beats the shit out of him while he's trapped. Uh, Ciampa's trying to, you know, apologize. But the thing is, if you saw Johnny Gargano's entrance attire, it looked like Venom. Because his hatred for Ciampa has manifested into a symbiote that is consuming him. And pretty much making him go way overboard with the rage and the evil, and becoming the thing that he hates. And that's what that's what happened in the finish. Like he could have just beaten Champa, just beaten him down till he's unconscious, and let and stood over him. Especially because you know he's handcuffed to the bottom of this thing, so he couldn't really stand up. Except he kind of did because the referee was counting to ten and he had to get up to continue the spot. But yeah, Gargano takes down his knee pad, exposes his knee, runs at Ciampa, nails him with the knee, but also keeps flying into the equipment crate and totally blasted his knee and in storyline dislocated it. My sources say he's actually fine. It's, it's a storyline, but he was down. Could not answer the cat ten, but Ciampa just you know slid off the stage onto his feet, and he retained the belt because it was not time for Gargano to win the belt yet. They had longer term plans, and they had to make a finish, and it it kind of sucked because it made him look like a bum because. Oh, he had him dead to rights, and then he had to go overboard. Whoops. I'm an idiot, because I'm a, I'm a good guy in, in WWE. Can't just be smart. But like I said, the symbiote thing makes sense with it. But it still left a bad taste in my mouth to end the show. Especially after just having the street fight a couple months ago. So yeah, that was that was the end of takeover. Ended on kind of a downer note, but overall the show was great. It's it's takeover. Was it the best takeover? No. I think the best take, takeover of the year was either 
me biasly saying Philadelphia or the one in New Orleans. But the Chicago one was also excellent. This one had some moments, but between the bummer ending here and the uh, the uh, Velveteen Dream EC3 match, which this is the second time that Dream has had a match with a bad opponent and it just, you know, deteriorating his stock. This is a shame. Dream is just so good. And that's a that's it for Tigger. I'll give it a one thumb up. And uh, let's 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 move over. Let's talk about SummerSlam, the biggest. They can't decide if it's the biggest party or biggest event of the summer. It's something. It wasn't really a party because it lasted all goddamn day. But yeah, SummerSlam. Six hours! Over six hours, even. If you include the kickoff show, which I, I watched, because I had, I had to do this podcast, I had to watch all of it. The highlights of the kickoff show were the fact that we had a... And I know this is crazy, I'm going to say this, but having uh, Peter Rosenberg and JBL on the stage talking about the show... And, and using, you know, their back-and-forth banter. Which, you know, remember they used to have a show on the network, and that went away because JBL kind of sucks as a, as a person. But it was, it was you know, a nice change of pace instead of just having the same panel on for the whole two hours so they could cut to them whenever they wanted to do something. Having Mike, Mike Room in the, in the crowd hyping up everybody was fun. And then Paul Heyman cut, cut a promo where uh, it wasn't was it Charlie or was I, th- I believe it was Charlie who was interviewing him outside Brock's locker room and asked a simple question and Heyman just went on a train like of ranting and just plowed right through her question, not even understanding what she asked and just talking about how. Brock Lesnar is going to go to UFC and be a two-sport champion. Which has never happened before. They don't don't fact-check that. They said this has never happened before. But then we had three kickoff matches. And uh, the first one was a mixed tag match between Andrade Cianamas and Zelina Vega taking on Rusev and Lana. And there was a reason this was the first match of the kickoff with the least amount of people in the crowd because don't know if you know this, from the two singles matches they had for the past two weeks, Lena Vega and Lana are not good at the wrestling. They're kind of green at it and not great. And we had a lot of them wrestling in this match. And of course, the, key, the weird thing was that we had uh, Aiden English backstage beforehand, and Rusev and Lana tell him not to come out, and he actually didn't come out. And it, the result was that Almas and Vega got the win. But he, even without English inter, you know, fucking off for them, they still couldn't put away Almas and Vega. Which plays into t- Tuesday, which we're going to briefly talk about SmackDown and Raw at the end of the show. 
But the second kickoff match was for the Cruiserweight Championship, a match I was excited about because Drew Gulak, representing Philadelphia, going to go out there and win another championship for the city. Except he fought Cedric Alexander, who has not lost a single match this year. Like, at all. Like, not even a tag match, not even a multi-man match. Cedric Alexander is, is like, 22-0 this year. And, yeah, this match was not great. So there you go. It, 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 there's not much to report here. It was just Cedric and uh, Gulak going out there doing a typical cruiserweight match. No one was invested in it because no one watches 205 Live, myself included. And my boy lost again. Of course, he, he can't win. It's all about Cedric. And then the, the last match of the kickoff was another title match. It was for the Raw Tag Team Championship. It was the B-Team versus the Revival. So a joke team against a really good team from the old NXT days. To who, in front of a smarky crowd. Who do you... You know, the same place that the Revival won the NXT belts before. What could possibly go wrong? Oh wait, could it be that they think it's really funny to keep push pushing the B team as being an undefeated team, despite the fact that they lost before they christened themselves with this name, and they just keep winning these fluke wins? That's what happened. The, I I I don't understand what they're doing with the tag division. The B team is your. You know, your face of the division. The, the leaders of the worlds are done because Matt Hardy is totally messed up. Your main teams are this, the the Authors of Pain, which... No idea what the hell they're doing. They're just fighting the other team of Titus Worldwide, which got a weird romance angle this week on Raw. And then what, what other team do we have? Like, I guess... Uh, I, I'm... Pretty sure they're not going to put the shield in the tag division because they're way above this shit. Brazango's hurt. The Ascension shouldn't exist anymore. Tag division is bad. Whereas on SmackDown, they're they're about to like kickstart into like a new renaissance. Real bummer. But yeah, the, the B team re retained the belts. No shock. Then, finally, after two hours, we get to the main card of the show, and the, they start it off with the Intercontinental Championship, Dolph Ziggler defending against Seth Rollins, and, you know, smart, let's start off with these two really good, impressive wrestlers and have a hot start to the show, except the crowd has already been sitting there for two hours, and they didn't, they didn't really care about this match. Which, I don't blame them, because there's not really been a lot of heat to this story. Especially after the last pay-per-view, where they had a 30-minute Iron Man match that got totally shat on by the crowd. 
So, no, no real investment in this aside from, hey, Dean Ambrose is ringside. We like him. Hence the point that they had him come out before Rollins. To hype the crowd up. And then that was about as hyped as they got. Also, I want to point out that Dolph Ziggler's outfit, the, uh, the Intercontinental title being on his pants, looked real dumb. Especially considering the way this match ended. Because it ended with Seth Rollins hitting the King Slayer Stomp, which is what they're calling it now, and beating Dolph Ziggler for the Intercontinental Championship. Yay. The belt changes hands yet again. Seth Rollins is now a two-time Intercontinental Champion. And I believe the fifth person in WWE... To be a uh, a double triple crown winner because he's held the tag belts more than once, the WWE Championship more than once, and the Intercontinental Championship now more than once. So, congrat congratulations. We're in an era where there's so much damn wrestling, so title title reigns don't really matter. We'll, we'll get to that later. You'll, you'll, you'll see what I mean. Uh, the match after that was for the SmackDown tag titles. Where the Bludgeon Brothers fought the New Day. Which was a... Uh, it was a good match. The only problem was that, you know, as we said earlier, Rowan got injured. But yeah, I, as I was watching this match, I was like, I'm actually kind of enjoying a Bludgeon Brothers match. That never happens because the New Day were doing so well to, you know, mask that the, the only thing that the Bludgeon Brothers do can just hit big power moves by, you know, bumping a lot and moving around the ringside area for them and doing dives, which Rowan did one and whoops, shouldn't have done that. But as I was getting excited for this match, all of a sudden, the Bludgeon Brothers got their hammers and caused the disqualification. So New Day wins. Bludgeon Brothers kept the belts for now because of the injury. And that that's... It was a short match, but it was, and it was good in, until the end. This was a uh, disqualification that I did not enjoy. But I do get because the whole story of it was the Bludgeon Brothers just dominate everyone except that the New Day were just moving around a whole lot and making them, getting them out of their comfort zone and it was they were not a fan of that. So let's just get disqualified so we can keep our belts and you know re like go come back with a better plan for this cuz this clearly what we're doing is not working. So at least it made sense, just wasn't crazy about it. But I was crazy about it more than any other Blood Jim Brothers title match that we've had so far. Then we had the Money in the Bank match where the if Braun Strowman gets eliminate or gets disqualified or loses in any way as, as in, like, if he gets counted out, Kevin Owens is Mr. Money in the Bank. And 
hell, even Kevin Owens came out in a with KO in the bank shirt and wearing you know black and green to say, "Yo, I'm gonna I'm gonna win this briefcase." Clearly, check out my merch. Except this match went two minutes and Ron just murdered him for the entire time and then pinned him. What? Kevin Owens, one of the most talented guys on your roster. Awesome promos, really fun to watch in the ring. Just gets annihilated super quickly. Makes sense that considering what Strowman had to do later in the night. But come on. Why at least let him have a few, some offense. Man, he just looks like garbage coming out of this and he didn't even show up on Raw. I'm guessing to sell the injuries, but still. Jeez. Absolutely terrible. I hated this. This was not good at all. Then we had the SmackDown Women's Championship with Carmella defending her championship against Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair because Charlotte couldn't let Becky have something. Like a, like a singles match on... The, Second biggest pay-per-view of the year. And this was probably Carmella's best match as champion. And I'm... Because she actually, like, held her own. And her whole story of this match was, I'm going to manipulate these two good wrestlers to get on each other, and I'm just going to, you know, end up having them beat up each other, and then I'll single out one of them and do my best... To, fight them, except I'm not that good, so it's not working out so well. And, you know, Becky and Charlotte were trying to be friends, but we had spots like Carmella hitting Charlotte from behind, and making it look like Becky did it, and them getting all bickery, which doesn't really make sense, because they're both in the match, so they should be fighting each other regardless. It's every lady for themselves. But yeah, it was an excellent match. Gave, gave them plenty of time. Carmella actually looked well in this match. They hit her flaws. And the finish came with uh, Becky Lynch pretty much having Carmella dead the rights with the uh, disarmor. And Charlotte coming out of nowhere, hitting the natural selection in the middle of it. Pending Becky winning the win, winning the championship for the seventh time. Which here's the thing about that though, because they made a big deal out of it. She tied Charlotte Flair's record. Or, no, no, Charlotte Flair. Uh, she tied Trish Strass's record of being a seven-time women's champion. So. Why don't you have her fight Trish at the Evolution pay-per-view? Wouldn't that make sense? Well, it's too late. We got Alexa Bliss versus her. That's what. That's the direction we're going in. Oh, well. Uh, but the post-match is when things got good. Because Carmella... Not Carmella. Uh, Charlotte and Becky hugged in the ring... They were, you know, they're still friends, despite the 
way the match ended, except Becky's like, nah, fuck you. I'm just going to, like, totally obliterate you because you stole my spotlight and my championship match and my championship, so you have to die now. And she just wailed on her, threw her over the announce table, just laid her completely out. She was pissed off. Crowd was super hyped for this. They were chanting yes, and you deserve it. And they were totally behind Becky. Except that was not what they wanted. Whoops. They tried to course correct that on SmackDown, and they did their best, but I'm I'm not convinced. I still think that Becky's great. After that, we had the WWE Championship. The match I was most excited for on this card, AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe. And the whole story going into this match was Samoa Joe saying that AJ Styles should go home and be a family man. And Styles was like, yeah, I could do that, but I'm also, I want to be the champion for, for my, to provide for my family. I'm making the sacrifice. And Samoa Joe's like, no, you know, I'm going to send you home. You should be with them. I'm going to be the champion. Don't worry about it. And if you don't give me the belt, I'm just going to have to murder you and send you back to them as a bloody mess. And we actually had AJ's wife, Wendy Stiles, and his daughter, Annie, at ringside, which Samoa Joe pointed out. And uh, he's, he's saying, I'm going to send you, send them home to you, so don't worry. And Styles says, no, I'm, I'm actually going to kick your ass for them. Let's do this wrestling show. And this was a good match. It's actually an excellent match, but the thing is that unlike the other times that these two have fought in the past, uh, Samojo's gotten a bit heftier, and AJ Styles has kind of leaned out a bit. So the uh, the size difference was way bigger. So when Styles goes for a move like I don't know the Styles Clash, and he doesn't is unable to you know fully hook him in before doing the move. Uh, Samoa Joe doesn't know when not to tuck his head, and he pretty much almost died. It was, oh boy, this Styles Clash was disgusting to watch. I'm glad that Samoa Joe has, like, this giant thick neck and didn't get damaged all that much from it, but it still looked real bad. Please. If you're not able to hook it in all the way, just don't do the move. Just... You know, abort and do something else. Because this was just unpleasant to watch. But as it, as we went on farther in the match, the, the the big thing happened at around the, the announcer's area. Samojo got up on the mic and says, Remember how I promised Daddy was gonna come home? Well, Looks like looks like I'm gonna be wrong about that, but it's okay. I'm gonna be your daddy. Kyle goes, oh. Styles is like, actually no, fuck you. Grabs a chair and just wails on him for talking shit on his family for disqualification. Smojo wins, but he went a little too far and got the DQ win, which means no title for him. Which works out because. 
it continues the feud toward a pay-per-view where there's this big stipulation match where you can use chairs and stuff. Perhaps that is the time when the Samoan Joseph should win the championship. Also a fun bit was uh, when Styles went over to his family and uh, his daughter just said nonchalantly, Daddy, you're bleeding. Because he got busted up the hard way during the match. It was fun. I really enjoyed these two. I can't wait for the uh, continued promos, including the one this week on SmackDown was just fantastic. I I love it. I I Samoa Joe is my favorite person on the main roster right now. He is just so much fun to watch, both in the ring and cutting promos. Because when you hear him cut a promo, you believe what he's saying. It doesn't sound scripted. Doesn't sound like he like memorized something. It feels genuine. It's really great. The next match we had was The Miz versus Danny Bryan. One of the most like hyped up matches on the show outside of the actual main event. Because they had a whole video package shown last week about eight years in the making. These two just have been at each other for all this time. It was the motivation for Danny Bryan to come back from his injury, get himself cleared just so he could punch the Miz in the face. And then he did it. And then the match turned into, hey, I'm going to do this cool technical wrestling move to Danny Bryan. And Danny Bryan's going to be like, nah, let me show you how to really do it. Like doing the surfboard spot and doing the yes kicks. And it was, it was a long match. It was like t- over twenty minutes. I feel like this went on way too long. And the Miz just was doing his chicken shit heel stuff of like not really getting too involved with like the big moves. But it, you got to do it in a smaller time frame. This was too much. I love Danny Bryan. Love to watch him wrestle, but. With an opponent who's not willing to go hard for and go as fast as he is, it's really dragged. And, you know, the Miz had his figure four, you know, still on Ric Flair. He's doing the yes kicks and the running knees and all that, but it it just didn't work. The, the finish of the match, though, was excellent because before the match, they showed Maurice... And a baby carriage at ringside, which I saw and went, that's not a baby in there. Clearly, they're going to do a spot with a fake baby again. I was wrong. Instead, Maurice handed the Miz some brass knucks. And as Danny Bryan went out to do a dive to him, he got clocked with the brass knucks. A punch to the face, if you were. And he pinned Danny Bryan off of it after sneaking the brass knocks back to his wife. One, two, three. He wins with the power of the punch. Not only does he have Ric Flair's figure four, now he has William Regal's power of the punch. The most powerful punch in all of wrestling, which he used. So he did the thing that Danny Bryan wanted to do to The Miz. He did it back to him. Even more powerful. And won. And I think that was so smart. It was it was excellent. It was so well done. 
Because my friend who I was watching with didn't see the brass knucks get past as easily as I did, so he was confused. But I explained, look, he, he's hands back. It's so clever, so low-key. Like, you don't really catch it if you're not watching. And it was wonderful. The Miz was right. The Miz is always right. Danny Bryan is a failure. Except he's, he's not. Because the Miz is a cheating asshole. And we had a segment uh, later with Bree where the, Brian was just so upset. Like, I needed to win that match. I, d- I don't know what to do from now. Maybe maybe I am a bust. Or maybe the Miz is a cheating son of a bitch. And I need to, we need to kill him in two days. By the way, we also had a, a, a Bella's segment earlier where they were hyping up being at ringside for the Ronda Rousey match. For reasons, they didn't really even hint at the Evolution match, which is why I thought Nikki would be there, along with the reason she was there on Monday, but we didn't get any of that. So, I guess they were just there to promote their TV show, because reality shows are the hot new thing. Uh, Then we got the biggest surprise of the night on the show, because... There were no hints of this at all on any of the television. But we had, once again, Finn Balor versus uh, Constable Baron Corbin, which everyone pegged as, this is my bathroom break, because we keep getting this damn match, and it's really tiring. Except, after Corbin was in the ring, the lights got dark, a a storm swirled above the ring, and the demon made its big return a year later back in Brooklyn with the with the paint and the headdress and all the cool stuff and crowd was super crazy about it I was like at first I'll admit I said this is real dumb waste of the demon didn't even advertise it why would they waste it on Baron Corbin and then I watched the match and then I thought about it and I went fucking genius of course it's just Surprise everyone, make Corbin look like a total dope, build up Finn Balor as like a main event caliber wrestler, you know, reintroduce the demon so they can use it again because it's been a while, the last time we saw him do it was against AJ Styles in a match that shouldn't have happened, so it was great, this was awesome. Also, you know, since I mentioned the swirling storm above the ring, they did the whole thing they did at WrestleMania with the augmented reality entrances, and it was fine. I just just want to point out, it was fine. It sucks for the live audience, because they don't get to see any of it, so it makes no sense. But it was, it was fine. I, I'm, I'm glad they're testing out new technology. Wish they would do 3D. Because I'm the only person in the world that likes the 3D capabilities of their television. I know, crazy, right? I guess people want 4K first before they consider 3D, but whatever. I like stupid gimmicks. What? Sue me. But yeah, Finn Balor came out, just totally obliterated Baron Corbin, who was scared shitless of this. Uh... Finn Balor's doing this new thing now where he just sticks his tongue out a whole bunch, because, you know, Demon... I guess 
moving faster and sticking your tongue out makes them totally different now, but whatever. At least you're not calling him the Demon King. I'm just, uh, be grateful for that. We're not doing the Demon King shit anymore. That's He's just a demon. Shows up in paint. Super powerful. Never has lost on the main roster. It was it was cool. I'm I'm glad it's back, and I hope we see more of it. Like not every pay per view, but I hope like for major pay per views or maybe a title shot in the future, we see the demon because it's it's cool. It's a cool gimmick. Uh, oddly late in the card, we had the United States Championship. Shinsuke Nakamura defending against Jeff Hardy in a match that no one like understood why this was happening aside from contract- contractual rematch clause which they could have done on television because the past month since summer or since uh, since extreme rules has been Jeff Hardy versus Randy Orton that's been the feud but we instead we got the Nakamura match which it was late in the card no one cared about we just had the demon so, whatever. Just throw Nakamura and Jeff out there to bump like crazy for no reaction. Including this really fucking stupid spot by Jeff Hardy. Which, uh, if you've been hearing him in interviews, he's talked about how he's not doing the Swanton Bomb at house shows. Because it really fucks up his back and, you know, doing it a whole lot less is really, you know, kind of improved his health. So, let's... Do it on pay-per-view. Let's have him do the Swanton Bomb onto the goddamn apron of the ring. The hardest part of the ring. And hit it in a real awkward spot that looks like it really, really hurt your back. <sighs> Jeff Hardy's gonna Jeff Hardy, you know? There's no real change in him. He's, he's an idiot. He always will be. Gotta do death-defying stunts for no reason. And get no reaction for it. What? Whatever. So, Nakamura ended up winning the match because no one cares, and we need to continue Nakamura on this path of being the champion because on Tuesday we got a good promo where he is now welcoming everyone to pledge allegiance to the United States of Nakamura. And I think that's real stupid in the best way. I approve. Let's keep doing it. Get go full American patriotic because that's the most heel thing you can do right now in this country. So good job. Also, Randy Orton showed up and did nothing after the match. At least, at least something happened on on Tuesday, so that's good. We had the Raw Women's Title match, the semi-main event, with uh, Alexa Bliss defending against. Ronda Rousey, who uh, had Natalia in her corner, wearing her uh, her father's jacket from SummerSlam years ago, so that was that was a nice touch. I mean, you could have said, "Oh, this telestrates the uh, the result," but did you really need someone to tell you what was going to happen? Because you already knew it's Ronda Rousey on a major pay per view. For her first title. Of course she's going to win it. And she had real stupid eye makeup that totally covered the whole her 
whole upper side of her face, and it was weird and made no sense. And yeah, she, she sure did a, did the thing where she did a bunch of throws to Alexa Bliss and made her look real small and pathetic. And also, Ronda was like yelling a whole bunch of the crowd, like getting hyped for her to win the belt, even though you know the match was still going on. And at one point, asked Alexa if she was ready for a slam, which you know, in kayfabe, makes sense that she's just being a dick. But also, don't don't be so obvious about talking to your opponent. So uh, yeah, Ronda Rousey. Easily did away with Alexa Bliss, won, won the Raw Women's Championship. Natalia and the Bellas celebrated with her in the ring. I know, a lot of people have problems with Ronda Rousey outside of her wrestling persona, and I get it. It's, it's pretty vile stuff. But she's a big name, and she's drawing attention to the company, and they paid her a lot of money. So, I, I, there's nothing you can do about it. A lot of a lot of the women's wrestlers are defending her, but also they're not defending the things she says. At least, at least I hope they're not. We'll we'll see how long this thing lasts, and and we'll see if she actually like shows up as a regular character all the time on Raw. Now that she's got the belt. Main event. Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, Universal Championship. This match went six minutes. Because before the match even started, and they knew the crowd was really going to shit all over this match because they do every time because this is a bad match. Braun Strowman comes out with the briefcase and says, I'm not a coward. I'm not going to do the cash in behind your back. I'm telling you right now, I'm going to stand at the bottom of the ramp. And as soon as this match is over, I'm cashing in. Which kind of seems cowardly, don't you think? If he wasn't a coward, wouldn't he just insert himself into the match as a triple threat? Instead of waiting until someone's beaten and battered and then cashing in? Or, you know, say pick their spot and say, at the next pay-per-view, I'm cashing in my thing f- to have the title match. Like like Rob Van Dam did. It, it just seemed like a bad line to use. And, uh, Braun Strowman was a distraction for the crowd to say, hey, this match fucking sucks, but you get Braun Strowman next, so, so get excited for that. Except for the part where Brock decimated Braun and threw the briefcase to the top of the stage. With really good aim, might I add. Holy shit. He shot put through this all the way to the top of stage and knocked out some LED lights with it. I thought for sure he was going to miss and throw it into the crowd. But uh, fortunately he did not, since they need that that prop. And he did that, Brock got, got back in the ring, got speared, and he lost. In a super flat way. Roman Reigns is the champion because... Turns out Braun, uh, it turns out that Brock didn't resign with WWE, so he's probably done. We're gonna do the, the, the real fighting now. Yay. 
now now Raw can have a fighting champion all the time, and it be the big dog. Yay! That was SummerSlam, though. It was a really, really long show. And, uh... Like, I'm gonna say the highlights... ...of the show were the Demon coming out... ...the Samojo AJ Styles match... ...and Becky Lynch's heel turn. Because that was excellent. And let's, uh, let's talk about, uh, what happened on the TV real fast... ...and, uh, coming out of this, because... The only real big things to come out of Raw were the fact that they had a ceremony for Ronda Rousey with all the women and Stephanie McMahon, you know, doing this, doing her Stephanie McMahon thing of saying, this is all about me, it's, I I did it, I signed Ronda, I made her the first star she is. And Ronda being like, I'm gonna fucking break your arm. S- suck it. And then celebrate with all the faces while all the heels checked on Stephanie. Didn't really build to another match for Ronda, so not sure what her fate is at Hell in a Cell. It's probably not against Stephanie again. They wouldn't give that match away. So we don't even know if Ronda Rousey will defend her belt at Hell in a Cell. Hell, we don't even know if she's going to be at the Australia. I assume she's going to be at the Australia show, right? It's a stadium show. And speaking of that, Triple H came out and cut a promo where he tried to explain the whole fact that the WrestleMania match he had in Hell in a Cell with Taker was dubbed End of an Era. Except now they're going to fight for one last time. And if, 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 if you're just listening to the audio, I, I used the air quotes for that. Since, you know, once in a lifetime happened. Twice. But yeah, he tried to talk about, oh, I gotta lace up the boots and, you know, be the game again. And Undertaker's gotta put his hat back on and be the phenom again. We're gonna fight one last time. Ignoring the fact that since that WrestleMania, Triple H has had a match on every WrestleMania since. And the fact that Undertaker did put his hat back on after the Roman match and squashed John Cena at WrestleMania just a few months ago. But let's ignore that. It doesn't matter. It's, just, it's all hype for the big match in the Australia show. It's the big deal. It's the it's two old guys wrestling again. Despite the fact they've wrestled a whole lot. Please be excited. And uh, the last big thing from Raw was that Roman Reigns came out as the big dog said I'm a fighting champion and the main event tonight I'm going to fight Finn Balor because he never got his title rematch after he vacated the belt in this building. And the crowd went, yay! We like one of these guys. Except, of course. Why why wouldn't the big dog beat Finn Balor and kill all our hopes and dreams? (sighs) It was a good match, though. It was a lengthy one. Went, Went a good chunk of time, but... Roman Reigns won, so it doesn't really matter. Braun Strowman came in afterward, though, and was like, I'm still cashing in this briefcase, you asshole. So I told you earlier in the night I was going to. But the problem was that he gave warning, so the shield was ready and came out to their old theme and old gear. 
and uh, put Braun Strowman through, a t- through the announce table as they do. And then they did a triple fist and hey, as long as Roman is champion, he's got backup and Braun will never be able to cash in. Unless he also has backup. Or he destroys them one by one. Either way could work. Anyway, just expect Braun Strowman to be trying to constantly cash in that briefcase and fail miserably every time. That's that's our that's that's the future of Raw for now on. Now there's a champion constantly there. Uh, on on SmackDown side of things though, SmackDown was excellent. This was a great because they hyped it as the biggest SmackDown ever. It was it, it wasn't. It was a good episode though. Becky Lynch tried to explain her heel turn by saying, you know, the crowd's cheering for me, but the problem is you guys didn't really do anything aside from talk. You were, you didn't do a hashtag. You didn't boycott SummerSlam because I got screwed over. You still, you guys are all talk and no action. Goddamn millennials. And end up with a brawl with with Charlotte and yeah I don't I still I still want to cheer Becky Lynch I think she's awesome she's really you know she's she gravitates people toward her with her charisma and her good in ring skill and she's got great looks like she's got the whole package and Charlotte is a flare fucking she's a fucking flare come on they're heels. Don't don't just go. Oh, the Flairs are beloved. Like no, if you know Ric Flair, he's back in his prime, which Charlotte's in her prime right now. Fucking cheating asshole. Terrible. No. Don't. Uh, the other th- other thing that happened. Uh, AJ Styles cut a promo on the stage, talking about uh, his family situation with Mojo and. Because they were on the stage, Samoa Joe snuck up behind them, pulled them off the stage, and put them to sleep. Yelled at the camera to Wendy that, you know, he's not going to be able to keep his promise of coming home and tucking the kids at night because he's already gone night-night because I killed him. Samoa Joe is cool. I, I, I can't wait for them to have a Hell in a Cell match. It's going to be great. Mojo and Saz are just going to do some really stupid shit in that cage. It's going to be great. Just please, for the love of God, don't do the Saz Clash again. Unless you're going to do it right. Please. Please. Uh, what else happened on SmackDown besides the main event? The Knock America thing. Still still happened. Oh, Randy Orton and Jeff Hardy had a match. Because... Let's not have it on the pay-per-view. Let's have it on SmackDown. And uh, that resulted in a uh, no contest because Randy Orton said, I'm just going to put my finger in your ear hole and yank it, which sucked. And Jeff Hardy's response was, I'm just going to stomp you in the dick because for some reason you'd like to you know, whip it out when you're having meetings with writers. You you can look up that story. I'm not going to go into detail about that. That's there were there were signs there were signs in the crowd for SmackDown about it. It's it's a it's a thing. This ended up with them brawling over toward the production equipment. 
uh, Randy Orton getting put onto a table and Jeff Hardy doing a swanton off of the equipment through the table, taking out Randy Orton. And this could go one of two ways. Either this is building toward a, uh, a stipulation match at Hell in a Cell, or they're going to just say Randy Orton's written off television until they figure out this whole scandal with the writer story that's been going on. Well, I guess we'll find out next week what's going to happen with him, but that's that's the way I see things going. And, uh... Oh, by the way, if you want more uh, of my thoughts about SmackDown, if you head to our website, ProWrestling.Cool, uh, with the G1 concluded, I'm back to doing my write-ups of SmackDown every week. So, there's an about last night for SmackDown. I, I write a bunch of my thoughts and recaps about what happened. But, uh... Moving on to the main event, which was a no-disqualification match for the tag titles. A rematch from SummerSlam two days ago. Bludgeon Brothers against the uh, the New Day. Except that it was the combination of Kofi and Xavier because Biggie hurt his ribs. And I'm not sure if it's, you know, a, a storyline or not about the ribs, but he was not in this match. And, uh, as I said before, the reason they're doing this is because Eric Rowan, not Eric, again, doesn't have a, doesn't have a first name. Rowan uh, tore his right bicep, and yet he wrestled this match extremely well. Like he did not hold back at all. Like if I'm going out getting the surgery, I'm just gonna have this one last great match. Screw it. And it was. It was an excellent. It was a really great hardcore match that reminded me of the days uh, when the Usos and the New Day were having those Hell in a Cell matches or those no disqualification matches. And it was just a bunch of fun with a bunch of props and doing a bunch of crazy spots, and that's what it was. Uh, they did this, this crucifix to uh, the Kofi on a ladder, and he kicked out of it, which was a, a nice uh, near fall. Because the thing was that everyone knew about the bicep injury, so clearly this was a way to get the, the New Day the belts. But they still played with your expectations of having these actually believable near falls to add a little drama to it, and I appreciated that. But the craziest thing that happened in this match was Rowan having the hammer and Harper launching him toward Xavier, who was, like, by the barricade, and Kofi pulled him out of the way at the last second, and Rowan just plowing through the timekeeper's area. Right arm first, so the injury, injured arm, right through all this. Oh my god. What is wrong with this guy? Don't do that! Your, your bicep is torn. Just go easy, man. But nope, he had to go out with a big bang, and he sure did. And the New Day got into the ring, put Harper through a table, and pinned them one, two, three. New champs. We the fact we also had uh the the bar and the Good Brothers cut a promo earlier in the night, and Usos are hanging around somewhere as well. It looks like the tag division on on SmackDown just opened up real wide 
And with the New Day as champions, it's going to have some really fun matchups coming up. Also, I guess Sandy's somewhere. Who knows where they are? But yeah, SmackDown was excellent. Uh, main event is definitely worth your time. And I believe we are out of time on this episode of Heel Turn. Which is a production of ProWrestling.cool. It's not just cool. It's not cool. Where we stream this live every Wednesday night at around 9 p.m. Eastern Time for the time being. Because, you know, the May Young Classic's coming up and it's going to push us back an hour, which sucks, but, you know, we don't want to counter program a thing that we're going to probably cover on this show. So, that we'll, we'll adjust accordingly. That That's going to happen next month. But if you want to follow the show, we have our website, ProWrestling.cool. Real URL. We do write-ups about the shows. We track stats. Uh, hopefully our buddy Michael will be returning soon with his hot takes. And if you want bonus content, like our, the show notes for this episode, which I'm not going to lie, the show notes are not, you know, not a whole lot going on this week because it was mostly recapping the two pay-per-views. But if you want shows for this all past and you know the upcoming episodes of Heel Turn, you can go to our Patreon, which is either at prowrestling.vip or at patreon.cool. It's pretty dot cool to fund our site. But yeah, you know, we're also on social media, Facebook search prowrestling.cool or facebook.com slash pwdotc. Uh, on Twitter, we're at PWDOTC or at The Heel Turn. Hopefully, we're going to get The Heel Turn, let you know when the show is going on the air live. And hopefully, we can get into more live tweeting of shows on there. It's kind of difficult since I'm the one running the site alone right now. So, hopefully, we get back to that. But if you want to follow me personally on Twitter, I am at the underscore ozone. And that's it. Lot, lot to cover this week. Thanks for thanks for hanging out with me for this past hour and a half, chatting wrestling, and uh, we will be back next week. Hopefully, with the, hopefully with not as much to talk about because this was, it's a lot. This was a lot. Don't don't need to watch fourteen more hours of wrestling. I'm, I'm thank you. So yeah, we'll be back next week. And until then, y'all come back now. Be here. This podcast is a part of the Zonecast Network, produced and edited by Owen Douglas. Find more of our shows at zonecast.com.